Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey guys, Steve here. You are listening to one of our original 26 episodes. If you've listened to any of our new episodes, you're going to notice that we're sounding a little different in these ones. Yeah, there's a reason for that. There is. They've been remastered. They have been remastered. Because they had a really annoying hum. Yeah, I mean, a huge thanks to uh, listener James for doing almost all of the legwork on this thing. You'll also notice if you had listened to what we're calling the Lost 26 episodes before, and you're re-listening now, the music and sound effects are gone. Yes, we've we've gone back to straight audio. So, be warned, we sound a little different today than we do in what you're about to listen to. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh Bye. Okay, bye. Thinking Sideways. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hi, welcome. This is Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I'm Devin. I'm Steve. I'm Joe. We're going to talk about another mystery, mm. like we always do. Oh, we like a good mystery. Yeah, it and this one, to happen. this one is totally on my like par of things I like. You know, we've talked about this. I like. Weird, mysterious noises and weird, mysterious deaths. And this is a weird, mysterious death. And I don't mm-hmm. like this death. This one's, I don't weird, like this this one's creepy. Yeah, yeah it like is a little creepy. Either. It's like, yeah, it's not... Uh... Like our Halloween episode, this one's pretty gruesome. It's kind of heart-wrenching. Uh, if you're squeamish at all, if you've got kids, just skip this one. Seriously, skip this one. You guys, seriously, just skip this one. Okay. So the mystery we're talking about tonight is The Boy in the Box, um, which is also known as America's Unknown Child. Mm-hmm. So February 25th, 1957, a young man is checking his muskrat traps, um, and he spies a box from J.C. Penney that says it's got a bassinet in it. Um, upon further inspection, he finds the body of a four-year-old boy um, that was battered and bruised and wrapped in a flannel blanket. He was afraid that his police would confiscate his traps, so he didn't report it because you don't report those things, apparently. Mm. Well, you know, those traps are important. Yeah. Uh, so uh, how did they find out about this guy? Well, did, a few he, days did he later, come forward later? Yeah, he came forward after it was reported. Um, so a few days later, a college student said he spotted a rabbit running through the underbrush, and knowing there were animal traps in the area, he stopped his car to investigate and discovered the body. It took him a day to come up with that story and finally report it to the police because he was really in the area spying on women at the Good Shepherd School. <laughs> so he had to go up with a good wanna, story first, yeah. huh? He didn't, so he, it took him a while to also report it. Um, well, didn't one of them eventually admit that the only reason they came forward is because in confession their priest convinced him to come forward? I don't remember which one of them it was. I suspect it was the, the second guy okay. that he went and... That would make sense. Yeah. So, but it only took him a day. The other guy had found it a couple days before that. Okay. So the boy has never been identified and this case has never been solved. All right. Which is unusual for a four-year-old to just go to die 
to be highly publicized and then just... Yeah, you would think that somebody would notice that the Jones family was missing a kid, for example. Right. So that was the thing was that initially the police thought, oh, well, we've got this case in the bag, you know? Obviously, somebody's going to report a four-year-old boy missing Mm -hmm. or someone will come forward and say, you know, this is probably the work of a murderer. It probably wasn't somebody that knew this child. You know, we'll just post all these flyers around and say, have you seen this boy? And that someone will come forward. And they put a lot of flyers out. A lot of flyers out. Um, Like thousands. Yes. And nobody ever came forward. Ever. Did either of you look at the the pictures of the flyers? Yeah. That were up? Yeah. Mm. I can't... In this day and age, that flyer would never be put up. Mm-hmm. Because it was, it was of, you know, his uh, his dead face. Yeah, it was yeah. a little gruesome. Yeah, pictures, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Picture of his head full on, um, straight forward and then from either side. And then they also dressed him in boys' clothes of the time, sat him in a chair and took pictures of him that way, hoping that maybe if somebody had been a visitor in a home, they would recognize him more that way. Yeah. You know, it's kind of hard to tell what somebody looks like if you've just got like a it straight is. on picture. Yeah. How did he look in the sitting in the chair? Was he sort of like, kind of, kind yeah, of like slumped over and dead looking? I mean, it's kind of creepy. He's yeah. sitting with his hands in his lap and just like very still. It, you can tell he's a dead It body. looks like one of those strange Halloween photos that you would see of, yeah. of people where... Have you seen the ones where you walk by them and they change mm-hmm. from left to right? Yeah. It looks as if it's the basis of one of those. I was going to say, it totally looks like one of those dummies that people put out like on their front oh, yeah, porch yeah. during Halloween to like scare people. Yeah, this one would definitely scare me. Yeah, it would scare me too. So nobody ever reported a missing child that fit this description and there were thousands of leads and they were all dead ends apparently a bunch of people were saying oh yeah that looks just like my nephew and to be fair it's a pretty average looking four-year-old boy you know anybody could say oh that looks like johnny from down the street i wonder if he's dead i haven't seen him in a day because he's sick maybe that's him yeah, it could be, yeah. Yeah, the investigators decided to focus on the um, bassinet box, the box that he was found in. Um, it was sold from J.C. Penney, uh, and they found it, they found the store that it was sold from, which was um, in Upper Darby. Sorry, this is in Pennsylvania. I should have said that. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, okay. It's on a dirt road. They found it. But in Pennsylvania, in Upper Darby, there was a J.C. Penney store where they sold this baby bassinet. They only sold 12. This store had only sold 12 of this model, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, And they could trace all of them back to the owner except for one, which is a little odd, right? So obviously it was this one. Um, And then they took fingerprints and footprints of the boy's hands and feet and sent them out to all of the hospitals in the area. And then later they expanded that search to Canada as well as the entire nation. And nothing ever came back with that. So there's never a match. There's never a match. So Um, they were sending them to the hospital to compare to birth certificates? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to see if they could figure out who this kid was. And for more, more on that later, for reasons they thought that maybe... They would have hospital records. But other than the box and the blanket, they found a royal blue corduroy men's cap in a trail leading directly from the box into the um, forest. And it still had um, tissue paper to maintain the manufacturer's shape. You know what I'm talking about? So it was almost basically brand new. It wasn't. It was worn, but it had been stuffed. Like if you have a nice hat and you put it back in a box... Yeah, you can stuff something. The tissue in it. back yeah. in it so that it holds its shape. Oh, okay, okay, I got it. The boy was described 
as having blue eyes, a fair complexion, and medium to light brown hair, but it was very crudely cut, which made investigators think that perhaps it had been cut after his death. Mm-hmm. It was really choppy. Well, and wasn't it, uh, didn't they find bits of hair in the clothing and, and stuff around him that, you know, would suggest that it was cut yeah. um, just before, just after mm-hmm. his death? Yes. His nails, however, were neatly trimmed, which for a four-year-old is kind of rare, so they suspect that actually happened after his death as well. Oh, so that was post-mortem as well. They think so, yeah. Oh, okay. And, you know, there's no way to really tell, right, with yeah. hair and nails, but they think that that happened after uh, his death as well. And no, he that's had, really kind of creepy, you know? He yeah. cut his hair and his nails. Yeah. Oh. And he had deep bruises covering all all of his body and face. And the weather had been cold. It's Pennsylvania in February. Uh-huh. So they said that the child could have been in the box from anywhere between two or three days to two or three weeks. Oh, wow. That really makes it kind of hard to figure out. That's really hard to narrow down a time frame. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really cold out. I mean, it makes sense. A, a body's preserved. Nothing's going to decompose right. because it's too cold, but still. And it's not snowing. It's just cold and dry. You yeah. Know, that's yeah. perfect body preservation. So was the, uh, was the box sealed? Was it closed? No. The top was open. The top was just open. I'm kind of surprised no critters like muskrats, for example, yeah. nibbled on the kid at so all. So I would assume that it were it was less time, yeah, especially so. since yeah. two people within a fairly short time span discovered it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you would assume that if that if it was traveled that much, that there would be more people finding it earlier. Yeah. So I assume that it was shorter rather than longer time frame, but I, you know we don't know. So some more things about him: he had seven scars. They recounted uh, three of which were clean enough to be surgical scars that had happened in a hospital or from a doctor. Right. Two of them were on his chest and groin. They'd healed, quote, quite well, leaving only hairline traces. Um, And there was another scar on his left ankle, which they said looked like a cut-down incision, which is um, something they used to do to do transfusions. To get to a big vein, they would cut down a, this is so gross, I'm so sorry, cut down a big chunk of your ankle to get to a big vein and stick a needle in that to do blood transfusions. Oh, basically peel all the skin back Mm -hmm. so you can get to things Mm -hmm. easier rather than trying to find them with the needle. Right. And you would do that, you know, on the ankle so that, you know, that's a, it's a fast place to heal. And also if you have a scar on your ankle, it's not like it's disfiguring or anything like that. Right. Well, and and the veins are easier to get to in an ankle. Say if you're going to cut down in somebody's between the forearm and the bicep, that's, there's a lot of tendency to have bad things happen. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so, so so, I'm liking this. Yeah, so anyway, he had two scars in the groin and, and the other he scars He had one scar on his groin and one scar on his chest that okay. were of surgical origin, ostensibly. Uh-huh. Um, and then he had a one-and-a-half-inch scar on the left side of his chest and a round kind of irregular scar on his left elbow. And there was an L-shaped scar on his chin that was about a quarter of an inch long in each direction. This poor little kid had kind of a rough go. He did. Yeah, so um, like, did they uh, consult with any surgeons about these surgical scars? I mean, yes, but there's not much to be said about them. They're just there was no records. There was basically. no record or anything like that. They didn't know who he was. So, no. well, it'd be it would be useful probably to try to find out if you know show it to a surgeon and he, he would say, well, that he was he was being operated on for his appendix because of the groin thing or something to do with his heart or whatever or sure you know I mean he could identify the procedure that was done. Sure, I don't and think then, they were descript of any kind yeah. in terms of that. They said that he didn't have any vaccination scars, so he wasn't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. 
and he had been circumcised. You know, all of these things kind of seem like he should have at least once visited the hospital. Well, it's well cared for. I mean, he, aside from the fact that somebody beaten, gave him you know? a serious beating, yeah. it sounds like he got medical care at needed. Least, at least some, at some point in his life. Right. Right. So they also did an ultraviolet light on his whole entire body. And they said that his left eye fluoresced a brilliant blue, which um, suggested that some kind of diagnostic dye had been applied that maybe he had some kind of chronic eye ailment of some sort in his left eye. Oh. Hmm. So is that like basically something they would do when you go to the eye doctor to get tested for astigmatism or something? I, I, you know, I think the impression that I have is that it was more as like a treatment. Like so he would be needing eye drops for some kind of oh, okay. something that was wrong with his eye. Although what that might have been, I don't know. And, you know, you have to keep in mind this boy's four years old. This is a lot of stuff to be happening yeah. you know, to a yeah. four-year-old. And then, as we've said, you know, he was beaten to death and then just kind of discarded. I know, did they do an autopsy? Was that the cause of death? The cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. It was four, okay. the, they said that it was four hard blows to the head. Uh. So here's some more kind of interesting facts. His, one of his hands and both of his feet had been wrinkled, which in a way that like pruned, like uh, when they're submerged in water. Oh, so he had, he had pretty skin. Yeah. So they had been submerged in water maybe for an extended period of time just before he died because that apparently doesn't happen if you're dead. Mm-hmm. Your skin doesn't actually prune up. It bloats up instead. So but, one, one foot and two hands? One hand and one two hand feet. One hand and two feet. But not the, the skin above that was mm-hmm. relatively was totally. normal as far as they could tell? Yep. Well, that's weird. It's weird, how yeah. Do you get, how do you get those... In the water and nothing else. I don't know. Okay. Standing I, I, in a shallow tub, you know. Yeah. He uh, probably had not eaten three to four hours before death, although his esophagus contained a dark brown residue, which indicated that he probably vomited shortly before death. If if it is indeed that somebody, you know, wailed on him a lot, mm-hmm. which is obviously what it seems like, then it would be perceivable that he, that would have caused him to throw up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, he was severely malnourished. So, you know, for all of the good care that it seems he may have had, it also seems he may not have had... Well, he got such good care. He yeah. maybe got good care at one point and then at was handed off to somebody else who abused the hell out of him. Yeah, know, so uh, there's some actually pretty interesting theories, uh, one of which definitely ties into that sort of idea that he was at one point cared for very well in his life and then came into bad times with mm-hmm. a different family. But first I want to talk about the foster home theory, which is there was a foster home that was um, located like a mile and a half away from where he was found. Um, and they had kids that were all school-aged kids. They were fostering. There was a stepdaughter that lived there, um, and she was 20. And the theory was that perhaps it was her child out of wedlock because, you know, in 1957, that was still kind of a big thing. It is a big faux pas. Yeah. Um, and that they had tried to care for him, but he was just so sickly, you know, given all of these things, that they eventually just decided that he needed to die. So they beat him to death. Mm-hmm. And then dropped his body, which seems unlikely to me, I guess. It seems unlikely that people who foster kids would just, you know, say, oh, this kid sucks. Let's just beat him to death. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's got to be better ways well, to handle I, that I situation. But I've, I've read accounts, and I don't know if, if this is, you know, something that we're going to go over about 
the stepdaughter and the relationship with the quote unquote father in the house. Yeah. Because that so, was a very weird thing and it was. It was very weird. Um they so they were doing all these investigations in nineteen fifty seven and they reopened the case in nineteen ninety eight. There was this detective named Bristow, um, and he doggedly attacked this he just wanted to know everything there was to know, and he never let it go. It was like his career passion was this case. Now, how did he, he come onto the case? Was he one of the first investigators, or was he the fingerprint guy? He was the fingerprint guy. Okay, so that was he's the one who had to do when they were doing the fingerprints and the footprints. If I remember in the reading, that's when the story really he stuck just, with him, and he yeah. couldn't let it go. Yeah. He was um, he was an interesting character. He would go visit the grave once a week and well, sounds a little bit obsessive. And, uh, yeah, I think you kind uh, of this is the sort of case that if it if it hits you and you're there, it hits you and it's part of your life forever. Yeah, but it's uh, he must have been on the force a hell of a long time because 31 years between 1957 and 1998. Yeah, um, or excuse me, 41 years. What am I saying? Yes. So when they reopened the case in 1998, a police lieutenant by the name of Tom Augustine took charge of the investigation and. He went back to this foster home because they exhumed the body and took some DNA and they figured, oh, we'll just go test this girl for DNA. And if it matches, then we've got our answer. And that's super easy because, you know, we couldn't do that in 1957. Very true. And they went back and they said, um, you know, we're looking for so-and-so and the, you know, the father and the stepdaughter. And he said, oh, she's my wife now. Oh. Hey, yeah. Good enough for Woody Allen. Good enough for them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, and that's why I, I, the DNA obviously proves that, that they, it wasn't not, them, yeah. but still it leads me to think that there's got to be some odd stuff that was going on in that household. I agree. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't explain the, the story, but... Eh, yeah, there was could, something kind of weird yeah. going on there. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So the other theory, one of the other theories is they refer to it as the M theory. And in a lot of sources, they only refer to her as M. But her name was Mary. Um, and she was this woman. And she brought it, her theory forward in 2002. She said that her abusive mother purchased an unknown boy named Jonathan from, her, from his birth parents in 1954. Basically to have a beating bag. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's pretty rough. Her story is, she said, you know, the Mary said that her mom um, suggested Jonathan to extreme physical and sexual abuse for two and a half years and then um, in a fit of rage killed him. 
by slamming him into the floor after he vomited in the bathtub. Mary's mother then cut the boy's long hair and dropped him just on the then secluded fox chase area. Mm-hmm. Which is where they found him. And correct me if I'm wrong, at the time that was like a one lane gravel yeah. road that was kind of a dump area that it everybody was, would just take their stuff and. That's where all the bodies went. That yeah. was kind of one of the things that was so disturbing in this. You know, some people say, well, he was kind of, he was being prepared for a burial. That's why his hair was cut, his nails were trimmed. He was found. With his arms crossed in this, like... And wrapped in a shroud. And wrapped in a shroud, you know, and that somebody was taking him to bury him and they got spooked because there were people around, so they just dropped him. But, you know, the area he was dropped in was this place that was known as a dumping ground. You know, people would just go dump their rubbish on this little side track of road. Which is just, you know, kind of adds another layer of sadness to this story. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's yet another heartbreaking detail of this is whole yeah. thing. You know, he was just kind of dumped yeah. unceremoniously. And yes, he was, you know, wrapped in a shroud and all of that stuff. But yeah, it's pretty, pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So Mary would have been 12 when it happened. And she recounted the story. Um, and apparently it took her three hours to tell it. And she said she had... Quirky little details. Quirky is not the right word, but she had details like um, the boy had thrown up after eating some baked beans and her mother was enraged with the mess. So she threw the boy into a bathtub and beat him, um, which would have accounted for why some some of his appendages were, like, were, pruned were up, super yeah. wet yeah, and others weren't and that she said... That she'd only ever heard the boy um, utter any noises, and it was one shriek at, at his death. So yeah, it's a pretty rough story. I don't want to like go too into detail. The whole problem that they have with this story is that Mary has a history of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not very reliable. It's not. He's. She's not very reliable. Although her psychiatrists believe that she's sincere. Her sto- they've interviewed her hundreds of times, and her story's never changed, which is pretty rare yeah. for somebody who's making a story up with mental disabilities like hers. So, but uh, there's there's been many cases of of folks who have an illness like that, a mental illness, who convince themselves of it, and they're very mm-hmm. sincere and they believe it. And you know, it might be that in some way she's got savant is the wrong word, but she's able to just make something up and memorize that exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not discounting her version of what it could be, but yeah. if you try to explain it away, we've seen a lot of evidence in the world mm-hmm. of folks who ha- who are in that state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Additionally, they do. you know, they went back to her old neighborhood and tried to interview her neighbors, and they all said, no, there was never a boy here, which mm-hmm. on the one hand... Well, they might have kept him under wraps. They, so. you, they, mm-hmm. you know, if you buy a kid to beat on, right, you're not going to be walking him around the neighborhood. So why... Probably um, keep him in the closet yeah. or the yeah. basement or yeah. But yeah. something. Uh, so why did she choose that particular time to come forward? Had, the, had her mother finally died? Her parents had died a long time ago. Oh, I, so she had a dad also living yeah, in the house? Yeah, so I'm not totally sure what that whole situation is. Mm-hmm. It's disturbing if it's true, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, there's people that do that kind of stuff, really. There are. Yeah. That's but true. Did uh, did, she, did anybody ask Mary what happened after the boy died in terms of um, what happened to her? Did she become the punching bag then? Did they go find another no, kid to punch No, they don't talk or? about that, at least, in any of the stories. Really? Um, but I would assume, you know, she was 12 when they purchased the kid, so I would assume that 
either she had already been the punching bag and was continued to be the punching bag or they found another outlet. You know, if it was never Mary, then it was never Mary. If it was always Mary, it was always Mary. But mm. she may have needed a supplement. That's just such a weird, creepy little... Yeah. So there are two other theories. One, which I think is fairly plausible, is that perhaps this boy was a child of an Amish family. What? There are a lot mm. of Amish in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Right? True. Pennsylvania Dutch. And so they're more prone to cover things up. Additionally, they don't really they don't really have contact with the outside world. So they don't if trust there the were English. pictures, you know, being circulated, they probably wouldn't have made it into these Amish communities. So if anybody in these communities knew this boy, they wouldn't be able to report it. But, you know, that's pretty much as far as that goes. You know, he was in ill health and an accident happened. And But I just don't think that the kind of bruising that he had. Well, and this is something that I never I never noticed. And, and I don't want to harp on this too long, but I do want to ask. The, the bruising, did were they able to tell? Was it all at once or was it continual? Well, all of the bruises they found, they were really, really deep bruises. And all of the bruises they found on his body, when they found his body, were new. Okay. Or at the same time. Um, so and they, no, no old bruises then, no. Huh? no broken bones? No. Just out of curiosity, do, do you know if the Amish circumcise their they boys? They do not. They reject circumcision like uh, a lot of other Christian faiths. So, okay. That kind of lets out the Amish theory. Yeah, and I guess I don't think of the Amish as um, having the most advanced medicinal technology, so I don't know that the kind of scarring that he had, I don't know. I Well, no, I, I actually, I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with that, because if you think about it, if your entire life, let's say, all you do is you, you work with the livestock, yeah. and when something happens, you learn to sew them up so that you can keep your livestock alive, well, if you've been doing that in your entire life, you're probably, you know, there may be one guy that's got an aptitude for it, so everybody yeah. takes their, their stock to him, he would get really good at it. That's yeah. true. And having, yeah. and having sharp scalpels is yeah. probably not against their religion. No, yeah. no. And they do, they're not like Jehovah's Witnesses. They do allow blood transfusions and stuff. So the ankle thing is legit, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, All right. So maybe he was. I, I mean, I, I, I hadn't he heard wasn't this. Because but, they don't circumcise. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I, we're, we're off, off topic here, but it's just, that's very interesting. And yeah. So the last theory so I like this theory a lot. A man by the name of Frank Bender, he's part of the VDOC Society, which has taken a keen interest in this case. And the VDOC is what exactly? They're a society. It's it's that- a bunch of retired police officers and detectives mm. who, from and they've gone into a lot of cases and they've got a lot of, of coverage in the past as they, they open up old cold cases and look at them with modern techniques and technologies and try and come at them from a completely different angle and they've solved a, a, lot, a of lot of cases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So he thinks that um, this boy was probably raised as a girl. Uh, uh-huh. That explains the hair, cutting the hair. Mm-hmm. And the nails, too, because a girl would usually have longer nails. Mm-hmm. Um, but that nobody could recognize the pictures of this boy because he was walking around town as a girl. That's true. Right? With very long, blonde, brown hair. Or longer mm-hmm. hair, yeah. You know, longer nails, dressed as a girl. You know, they would, if, when the accident occurred or whatever occurred, chop off all the hair really short, trim the nails, make it look like this kid has always been a boy. Mm-hmm. They're touting, you know, nobody except for the people who knew what happened know mm-hmm. that this boy is a 
boy, everybody else thinks this boy's a girl. I think it's fairly valid. Yeah, that explains why the, the kid was found naked, too, because they probably didn't have any boys' clothes to dress him in. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, wow. Yeah, I nothing but girls' that. clothes, yeah. So one of the, the things that Bender brings up is that um, apparently the medical examiner, and this wasn't widely publicized, but the medical examiner said that um, it looked like the boy's eyebrows had been plucked. Uh-huh. Ooh. Like you would if you were trying to pass a little boy off as a little girl. Oh. Yeah. Huh. They have some sketches of people of what this boy would have looked like as a girl. Yeah, now that you mention it, and I hadn't really made the connection. When you look at the sketch and the photo, they're very similar, and it does. It's very. It would be very easy with long hair to to mix it up and just go. Oh, well, it's a little girl. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think it's. Um, I think it's a really good theory, actually. Uh, you know, when this happened in two thousand three or something like that, and they still haven't solved the case. Nobody's come forward, but there's still a really big effort. And Bender has an 85% clearance rate with this society in solving um, unsolved cases. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. Just got to check with all the psychiatrists the, in the area who were practicing at that time. The sad thing is that at that time, it was not uncommon for a family to have a child and not be able to take care of it because they just didn't have the money for it. Oh, yeah. So you were sent to, to Uncle Jim's farm to live with him because he had enough money and you were going to be raised there and taken care of there. Or, yeah. And so it could very easily have been that the situation was... A, somebody who did this said, oh, well, I sent the kid to Uncle Jim's farm, or the kid was sent to Uncle Jim, who then committed this atrocity. I mean, it, you know, this doesn't play in any of the theories you've talked about, but it it just kind of things that you have to think about when you mm-hmm. remember the time frame. Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair. Um, you know, it's hard... It's hard to imagine somebody who just couldn't afford to raise a child killing them so brutally. Mm-hmm. You know, there are definitely There's ways other ways to, to do it. Get yes. rid of these. You know, fun topics for the night. Fun ways to get rid of people, but you don't beat a child to death with like deep, deep bruises just because you can't. Afford normal it. people don't. Well, normal people don't. But you know, I think that people who. I generally lump people who are concerned about the welfare of their family into normal people. Yes, very true. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. So, yeah. Once again, I'm going on record. I don't like this story. This one's yeah. a creepy, 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 gross story. Not nice. Yeah. I don't like it either. Yeah. Sorry. I'm yeah. sorry, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> sorry for haunting your nightmares forever. Yeah. <laughs> picture all of these wonderful, beautiful things. The way to start the holidays. Yeah. yeah think happy thoughts. Yes. <sighs> so I'm I- guessing it's like some, some girl from Philadelphia or somewhere around there just who's pregnant out of wedlock. And at some point when she was going to start showing... She decided to you know, head to some relative's place or somewhere where she could have you know, maybe a, a home for wayward mothers, that kind of thing, for mm-hmm. mothers, and had the baby. She was probably a little bit of a head case and had convinced herself that she was going to have a daughter or for some reason believed she was going to have a daughter. So she told everybody she was going to adopt her niece and bring her back to live with her because her niece needed a home and her, her parents had been killed or whatever. When she comes back several months later, well, she's, with, she's got a little boy and not a niece. Because, well, turns out the baby wasn't a girl after all. She screwed up. And so she had to hide the fact that her, you know, this kid was a boy and not a girl. 
That mm. makes sense. But then why is the kid dead? It could be it could be a number of things. It could be just the burden of, of keeping the secret and just being a single mother, etc. Got to be a bit too much. Um, it might be that at some point she came to realize that that keeping the secret forever was just not going to be possible. Or if she's yeah. mentally unbalanced. Or then, mentally she's mm-hmm. mentally ill. Yeah, <laughs> there's always that, too. Unfortunately, things happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, either way, I I don't know. I don't... There's, there's yeah. not enough facts in this one for me to ever say, I think it's this. Unfortunately for me, I, I think it probably is Mary's story. I think mm. she's got a lot of facts, right? And, but you know, did she have almost anything? all of them were things that, you know, the general public knew, but her story is pretty... Com- Convincing. But nothing. She didn't have any details that hadn't already been put in the papers, right? No, but I guess why would you why would you make something like that up? It's not like she's earning money from it. She's not mm-hmm. getting any kind of public notoriety. Um, you know, a lot you of know. a lot of people do that kind of stuff though. Tons of people confess to murders they haven't committed just because they like the attention. So it's you know, yeah, entirely I don't know. Possible. So I don't really know. What the but whole Mary's, situation is. I have to admit, Mary's story is plausible. Yeah. It, it runs in line with your theory. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, crossover between what you were looking at and what, or what you were talking about and, and her story. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't like it. No, can we Sorry. be done with it? Uh, yeah. Well, we so anyway, no, um, we still have to solve this mystery. Uh, oh. Well, okay, forget it. Now, let's take I think a it's break. too sad to solve. I think the I think that we just have to say that it was actually just a Halloween dummy that everybody thought was a real boy. Well, there you go. And unfortunately, like that's what the cops thought when they first got there was that it was a dummy. Yeah, that's the yeah. worst part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, nope, yeah. it was his Pinocchio. It's this Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Yeah. yeah. This whole thing was actually Pinocchio. Yeah. Okay, yeah I just feel better. Thank you. Better? Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And yeah. lovely unicorns running in the field. Yes. Yeah. Oh, sad. I see them now. Sad as yeah. it is, you know, it's like uh, kids get beaten to death every year, even today. It's like they usually don't wind up in a junkyard, you know, and never, yeah. never identified. But yep. it happens all the time. Too bad. Unfortunately, it does. Yeah. So. This is an open case. It's ongoing. Ostensibly, if you know something about it, you've talked to the authorities. But if you want to talk to us instead, yeah, you send us an us. email at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Um, all of the links from this week's show, as well as pictures, will be up on our website at thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. Uh, you can listen to our show there. You can also listen to it on iTunes and Stitcher. If you're listening to it on iTunes and Stitcher, please leave us a rating and a comment. Yeah, we love to hear from we folks. We like to hear from people. Uh, and recently, we decided that we would hop on the social media trend. So we've got a Facebook now. That's right. Um, we've been posting lots of pictures of our breakfast and our lattes and stuff like that. Yeah, and Instagram. Yeah. We don't have Instagram. No. Yes. No. Not yet. We might. In no. the future. <laughs> yeah, there's not much practical application for that. Anyways, no. you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we're Thinking Sideways Podcast. Uh, you probably don't need the URL. Just search for Thinking Sideways Podcast, and there we are. So thanks. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot. Well, see you next time. Think happy thoughts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. 
Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.